Okay, welcome to episode 81 of the United Pubcast. Again, we're knocking these out. We're doing our best we can with no football. And we're going to talk a little bit of football with Larry. Larry, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. As you said, just ticking over. Um, As you always say, another day down means a day closer to football. And if you're following reports, maybe it's not too far away. Well, we're closer to German football. I don't know about... I'm getting the hunch that maybe the Premier League's maybe not as close as we think. Um, Germany looks like it's going to be back in a week or two. So, um, which German club are you supporting this season? Oh, you know what? I do enjoy a good Red Bull. Um, I think that might have to be an easy one, to be honest. I'll obviously follow Dortmund for the, the obvious links with a certain player who I know you're yeah, well, bored to death of name. the links with. We won't say his name, but uh, I will say I'll follow Dortmund with a close eye. But I think it has to be Leipzig, doesn't it? I've no you idea. don't want to follow the traditional two big clubs. Well, it'll be so interesting. I don't know. Are they going to play in stadiums? Are they going to play in sort of the Dortmunds? Obviously, obviously no fans. But um, it'll be interesting. Sort of, I'm sure there'll be a big game. Bayern will play Dortmund at some stage. So I'll definitely be tuned in to that. But um, yeah, the more you think about the German league, it's I wouldn't look. I don't don't like this sort of term everyone uses now, like a pub league. Besides those top two, three teams, I, I couldn't tell you any team in the bottom half of the table in Germany. Could you? Nope. To be honest, if we did a podcast on the German clubs we were naming, the the podcast would probably be about a minute long. Okay. Well, considering that we have just done about a minute, we might as well turn our attention to much more important news, and we might as well start with um, your thoughts on Angel Di Maria's wife and her comments. Yeah, um, I just think this is a perfect case of, you know, when you're at the altar, Tom, you held your wife's hands and you're like, for better or worse. I think this was her doing the or worse. Um, She was just basically supporting her husband and trying to put a positive spin on his actions. But let's be real. And man, the the term was so uh, so strange. She, She was criticizing English people for being neat. I'm yeah. sorry, should they have their un- shirts untucked and picking their nose and dating their siblings? Like, I, I don't know what she wanted. Yeah, no, it was weird. I, I don't, yeah, almost the same as you. I didn't get the story. I didn't see the reason for the outburst. And some of the things, okay, you can have an opinion on where you lived and the people, whatever, ha- have your opinion. But sort of she went in to sort of do a little bit over the top in some of the comments, but in terms of what she thought of Manchester in general, I just thought, look... She doesn't deserve a slap, but just shut up. I don't know what she's talking about. But um, it puts Di Maria, um, Di Maria's sort of, not that he had a legacy at United, but um, it puts it further and further down the drain. I think Tevez is probably above Di Maria now, would you say? Oh, or, yeah. Oh, interesting. Maybe that's a debate. Um, favourite Argentinian, Di Maria or Tevez? That's probably a podcast we can do. Um, or just... <laughs> Dana White can put him on Fight Island in the UFC. That should be back this week. Oh, that's, that'd that's... be an awful fight. I think Di Maria would actually go for a bitch slap, and uh, I oh, could oh, see Tevez fighting. Oh, Tevez would kill him. But um, that is another debate for another day, because that is my first bit of sport. Looks like it's returning on Sunday. Now, last couple of weeks, we've sort of sort of touched around subjects and tried to stay away from the football, because there is none. But... Um, We'll keep this podcast a little bit short and sweet and sort of touch on the sort of relevant news that is out there. And there are two or three little bits of news. We'll start a little bit on Odian Agalo, and we're going to talk about his situation in general, but also the news that has popped up. Now, we can go back in time and sort of look at, well, sort of late January, the situation the club found themselves in, um, whether that was right or wrong, we're in that position. 
But the fact is, we did get a Gallo, raised certain eyebrows for so many different reasons. But he's come in, he's done very well. We almost called it at the time that the situation surrounding his arrival, he was almost set up to become a cult hero. And I think he's almost done that. Pretty much every single fan you talk to absolutely loves him. But the debate over his future is 50-50. Even if the people who do love him, there is a 50-50 split on, well, maybe he still should go back to China. And I think one of the stumbling blocks, well, there's so many stumbling blocks when you look at it, but he is a player that we always forget, or I always forget, that is on over £300,000 a week in China. Um, obviously, United aren't paying that in full, but if United are to get him on a permanent basis, I think he obviously would take a wage cut. He'd be happy to. However, he's not going to take a three hundred grand wage cut. So um, we'll get into all the complexities on his future in a little bit. But the latest news is the club is trying to... There's a lot of news saying oh, they're going to keep him. Well, the news in regard to keeping him is extending his loan till the end of the season because his initial loan was to end in May. Um, that was obviously the end of the season. Now, that's not going to happen. The end of May is going to be in two, three weeks. So they're trying to extend the loan, so almost just change the terms to be the end of the season, whether that be June, July, August, who knows. So um, just your general thoughts on that little bit of news, like happy, not happy, blah, blah, blah. If you meet someone who's not happy, mate, check them in to see a head doctor. Seriously. Um, I, I love a guy, though. I really do. And like, we always say, say this, Tom, the best part of being a fan is those players who just get it. And Egalo gets it. He's a United fan. You saw it when he, he was saying, like, when he was negotiating to come to United, his agent said, you're going to take a pay cut, just cut him off? No, make the deal happen. It's his dream. He's dead set a fan on the football pitch. Couldn't be happier for him. I think he's done the exact job we wanted him to do. Um, four goals in eight games is is definitely not a bad statistic. You even saw in the Manchester City game, uh, our last game in the Premier League, he comes on. When City was starting to get dominant, he comes on. I think it was a Martial he came on for, and he held the ball up, and it just meant that United could keep the ball a little bit better. He's definitely effective, and um, if we can keep him for the rest of this season, of course that's a plus when you consider Rashford and Pogba should be fit, but also even going into next season. Yeah, well, speaking of that, what scenario do you keep him? Because, look, there's so many different ways you can look at it. But um, there are certain strikers sort of banded about. There's Timo Werner. Um, I don't think there's anything in the Harry Kane rumours, but there's definitely rumours about a striker coming in. Um, sort of taking into consideration everything regarding the virus and how that might affect the transfer market and Agallo's situation, considering he's on loan, considering what wage he'd probably require, um, his age at a certain stage of his career. What scenario... Do you keep a Gallo? And what scenario do you ship him back to China? In most cases, I'm keeping him. I think we... I can't see United signing a big-name striker this transfer window. Even if this... Let's say this whole pandemic didn't happen, I still don't think we were going to sign one. I think it's very clear that Oli was targeting a quick number nine, but a traditional number nine. And what I mean by that is someone whose ultimate... His ultimate instinct is back to goal. Uh, back to goal can link play up with midfielders, but then can also have the pace to run in behind, possibly more of an aerial threat, etc. I think Martial, however, has maybe t- changed his mind. I think Martial, probably from January onwards, I'd, I'd almost want to say it was the game against Chelsea when he scored that header. Yeah. I think that was the first goal we saw in a while from Martial where you're like, this is pure centre-forward goal. 
And that's the criticism. It's not he can't score goals. Of course he can. The issue was he's just focused on being brilliant, whereas we need that player who can just be a fox in the box. Can you head the ball in? Can you score a tap in? Can you do a long-range goal? It's having those different sorts of goals to his game. And Martial slowly added that. And maybe with Martial's upturn in form, now again, let's say the season finishes and he continues that, maybe the pursuit of a different type of striker stops. But in any case, you need someone who brings a point of difference. So realistically, what happens with Greenwood, I think comes into this as well. Because if we see Greenwood, he's played predominantly on the right. So... If we're not playing him as a centre forward next season, I think no matter what, you're getting a Galo because you've only got two strikers. You've got Martial and you've got a Galo. And even on top of that, if you wanted to bring a top striker and then you have three, that works. So in any case, is there a reason not to keep him? I don't think so. Well, that, that, that's the thing for me in terms of taking everything into consideration. I de- I'm definitely keeping him. And I don't want to get sort of drawn into the sort of, I wouldn't call it a debate, but the sort of line of thinking that, oh, he's just a fan. He's sort of gives 100%, so that's enough to beat the club. He showed he can come in and he can sort of contribute. He scored good goals. He's sort of, as you said, sort of provided really good link-up play. So I think he's deserving of a spot. But I think there's, I wouldn't call it a circus, but the drama surrounding Agalo, or not the drama, there's sort of the, the news surrounding Agalo. You have to remember that he's not going to be a key player. The news surrounding him sort of suggests that he is in terms of the number nine that Man United missed out on target, so they're going to rely on Agallo. I don't think that's the case. You sort of mentioned Martial, you mentioned Greenwood. However, I just think, not that I agree with this, but I feel like we might be getting into the same trap, even if he's just sort of as a squad member. And I wouldn't say we made a mistake with Solskjaer, but it definitely looked like we made a mistake at some stage where he had that good run, the club gave him a contract, then it went horribly wrong. Do you find a situation where even for a squad member, you don't have to rely on him as a key member of the squad, but Agalo's come in, done great, club re- um, recognises that and give him a new contract, and then suddenly next season we're stuck with a player who think, oh, geez, he's not really United standard, we should have gone and got a striker. Do you see a situation comes up like that, or do you think he's got enough about him? No, I don't think so, because that criticism, and it's it's a valid argument, but let's take a few things into account. Agalo's proven in the Premier League. Let's not forget he played for Leicester and his first season, not for Leicester, for Watford, sorry. And when he played for Watford in that first season, his return was 16 goals. That's brilliant. He did dip off in that second season before he went to China. Now, that could have happened for a factor of reasons. Lost the form, maybe he didn't want to be there, maybe just... There's a whole variety of issues where, who knows, right? Sometimes it just players dip off. However, He's proven that he did it, and he did it for Watford, right? This isn't being surrounded by world-class players. But then he's gone to China, and he's had a solid goal return. Obviously, don't follow the Chinese league, but he's, uh, he's almost, he was scoring basically just under a goal every second game. What we're bringing him in for is not to start every week. So straight away, that limelight of, oh, is he United standard, comes away. All he has to do, really, is just be another body ultimately but then if he can chip in with a few goals here and there and give us a point of difference come off the bench then he's doing his job uh and i think he's he's definitely shown that he's capable of doing it i would agree with you if this wasn't someone who we have seen in the premier league but given that he is he's done it before i see no reason why or criticism of oh no he's not up to united standard you need players to fill the squad 
Okay, moving on now to a player who sort of dominated, not dominated headlines at the start of the season, but um, was definitely in the news and a year later is going to find himself front and centre again, um, young Angel Gomez. Um, obviously out of contract now. It is a tricky situation like any contract now in regards to um, it's going to expire in a few weeks. I think his deal ends um, the end of June. Now the season is very likely, if it re- resumes, to go past June. So it sort of close, sort of brings up that sort of cloudy area. Well, if he's out of contract, can he move? Can he play for someone else? Can we extend his contract by a few weeks to the end of the season? Who knows? But um, it looks as though, and this is just a report, who knows what to believe, but the club is still trying to convince him um, to stay. Whether that's a good thing from the club's point of view or the player's point of view, I'm not quite sure. But your latest bit of thinking behind the club sort of still doing their best to keep Gomez? Yeah, I mean, he's talented. There's no doubt about that. He hasn't featured as much as I would have liked. But look, from United's point of view, even if you thought he was rubbish, and I'm not saying that, but you've seen it with Tahith Chong. United seem to have, and obviously I don't know this for sure, but I feel like they don't like to let any players' contracts expire. No one in the first team, at least. Even with Phil Jones, it was very clear he was out of favour. But we offered him a new deal. I'm just starting to wonder, is there something at United where they just want to protect the asset? And by doing that, it just means that should it work out, we've got value in him. And if it doesn't work out, we can sell him. But it makes do, sense. But do you see a future for the actual player? Say he signs a new contract and he wants to make it at United. From what you've seen, do you see a future for him? <sighs> I think there's definitely room for more creative players within the squad. Um, like, let's say, and again, we don't know what's happening with Pogba, but if you say Bruno uh, Bruno and Gomez are similar players, at least in what they bring. Obviously, Gomez a, a lot more diminutive, not as physical, and I'm not saying Bruno is, but obviously he's not as strong. Um, you need, a, obviously, we, I just think we need a bit more of those sorts of players in the team. There's not a lot of creativity. I could name three names. One Mata, Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba. Outside of those three players, is there anyone who's really creative? No, but Gomez is. So he could definitely come into this squad, at least for next season. He could play definitely be a squad player. Do you However, see... if we find someone like uh, Jack Grealish, maybe that changes. Well, do you see, and we're going to get into sort of the club's transfer policy to finish off the podcast, but I personally say if Gomez stays and the club have a vision for Gomez as a future player for the club, as a replacement for one matter. And again, it, okay, you don't want to make this lazy sort of comparison of sort of a little diminutive creative player who, who does his best work just in behind the striker. But um, one matter's going to leave in a year or two. And there's definitely going to be a gap um, to be filled, whether that be as a squad player or if he develops into um, a first-team player, he um, take a role as a first-team player. But I think that is where the club is thinking now. Or, or, I wouldn't say the same with Chong. I think different situations obviously found themselves in a similar situation in regards to their contract. But I think in the stages of their career was quite different. And um, they've, yeah, protected Chong. Personally, I don't see a huge future for him at the club. I think that was, as you said, to protect their asset. But with Gomez, I just think the time that they've invested in Gomez and the money they've invested over the years, he's he was almost their one shining light. Now, obviously, Mason Greenwood has stepped on the scene and now Greenwood is obviously the one they're all pinning their hopes on. But I still think Gomez is one they just think, well, he's just something so different. He's not what you'd usually come out of a sort of an academy. You'd see Mason Greenwood, who's quite sort of, he, look, he's still quite slight, but he's powerful. 
Marcus Rashford the same, Scott McTominay the same, players like that. Brandon Williams is powerful. Where Gomez is just that something different. He he's got that. He's definitely not world class. But you think, yeah, okay, he could develop into a world class player. That if he was playing in Spain and he's twenty five, you're gonna probably pay fifty or sixty million for him. So I just think there is something in this Gomez thing. I don't know what he's thinking, whether he sees a future at United or not. I have no idea. But I really do think the club is sort of pinning their hopes that he's... I wouldn't say he's the one matter replacement, but they have that line of thinking. Yeah, look, I, I can't disagree with you, mate. Um, the only thing, like, like I said, I just it depends on who we sign. And the other thing about Gomez, I just have a concern about his size. And look, I'm all for the small players, but like in terms of stature, I'm pretty sure he's smaller than Skulls. Like, oh, he's so ten that's going to be interesting. Oh yeah, no, it's, that's a uh, not even up for debate. He's um, and, and it is a thing to sort of concern yourself with in terms of. And yeah, okay, who's the best player in the world at the moment? Lionel Messi. He he shows you don't have to be a big player, but however, he's Lionel Messi. So um, that is a definite thing. Um, Gomez will have to. Sort of a big hurdle he does have to overcome, whether he can or whether he can't, who knows. But um, I do think the club are, or will be very persistent with him. But um, if you're going to put money on it, do you think he stays or goes? I think he stays. Um, just, just purely on what's happening in the world right now, he'd be mad to turn down a contract where someone's offering you money and you can secure yourself some income. Because I can't imagine if it if there is other offers, I can't imagine they're better, and I definitely can't. He can't guarantee that is it still on the table. So you'd think he stays just purely of what's happening. Yeah, no, actually, just when you mentioned there, just in in regards to just an individual getting income, I think that is um going to play a huge part. And we'll finish the podcast a little bit on. I don't know who the player was, so, so correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was someone, some guy named Hugel. It was a 16-year-old from Sunderland United have reportedly agreed a deal um, to get, obviously, pending football's return and everything. And it's something United have sort of really done since, I'd say not David Moyes, probably since Van Hal, where they sort of brought in the likes of Chong, Fosu, Mensa from a few of the Dutch clubs, have signed a few Spanish lads. Nicky Butt has obviously done a very good job sort of in the investment in the youth um, recruitment policy. But, um, yeah, it looks like we've signed this, as everyone is, who you sign at a 16 or 17-year-old, the new wonder kid of English football. I assume he's English. But um, I just want to sort of change the debate more so, because we don't know anything about the player or whether he's signed. And even if he did, he goes into the under-16s or 18s. He's nothing to talk about. But do you think, and we don't know how the transfer market is going to change, but obviously it is going to change. Do you think United's youth investment, and obviously we hope this is the case, but do you think United's youth investment over the years will sort of put our sort of foot sort of ahead of the game in um, sort of the years to come? And do you think now deals like this, buying 16, 17-year-olds now, will be almost more important than going out and doing proper transfer business for your first team? It's a great question, Tom, because... I don't remember the young the young lad we signed from. Uh, we signed someone from Ajax last season, but I know he was 16, 17. Uh, and United have done it a fair bit over the last few years in particular. Um, to your point, uh, we signed to Heath Chong a couple of years ago, Fosu Mensa. But even more recently, there's been a few signings. Um, who's the, the young lad with the like sideshow bob hair? He looks brilliant. Um, yeah, his name escapes me. Meshbury, yes. He's, he's outstanding. We're buying a lot of players at the moment, and... 
I feel like United, what basically there seems to be this strategy of, okay, the transfer market. And you know what? Again, how this pandemic changes things will be interesting. But it's almost like United have taken another, an, 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 I don't know what the right word is. Let's say an alternate strategy. And what they're doing is let's sign all the top young players from around Europe. Out of this crop, maybe one or two end up being world-class, or at least for the first team. And it's not a bad tactic, because if you think about the way the transfer market was going prior to what we're seeing, it's just values kept going up and up, and we're seeing this huge inflation where even clubs like United have to start wondering, is there, in, is there just better value in developing your own players? Which United obviously have in their DNA, but maybe it, was, it takes a greater emphasis to doing it. And also there was the whole Brexit thing. So I'm just wondering, is this a greater strategy as part of the club? If we can get these younger players, fork out your 250 to 1 million pound, and then if you get two or three who end up being world-class, it's actually not a bad idea. Well, put yourselves in Ed Woodward's shoes, and you're running the club sort of thing. And obviously, again, we caveat this with everything, saying we sort of don't know what's going to happen. But in terms of your vision for United and what you believe with United, etc., is it worth the risk sort of try and overly invest there in terms of do you think that is the way forward or do you still think now the position we're in it still should be first team orientated of course the first team has to be the priority and always should be to be honest but, but the first team to... but what i mean by that is okay instead of buying a couple of good young players now and really invest in the future in this current climate are you happy for the club to go and spend 120 million on Jaden sancho because that, that, that's what first-team investment is these days. It's not it's not buying yeah. a, a player for $10 million, a player here for $20 First-team investment now is going and get the best players in the world, which is going to cost over £100 million. That's what the club... That's what the first-team needs now. So are you really... Are you pushing for that now? Or are you thinking, well, geez, look at this shape, what the world could go into, what the transfer market might look like. Do you think, well, geez, maybe it's worth the risk sort of getting ahead of the game and really looking at the sort of the youth system now? I'd agree with that strategy. I really would. The only issue is like, if United were constantly fighting for titles and we had a ready or the nucleus of a ready-made squad, by all means, that's an excellent strategy. But just given where we are at the moment, where we're on the cusp of top four, not quite there, you need to have... I'm still all for the expensive investment when it's necessary. United all the way through, and, and this goes in, into Fergie's years, uh, always buying the best English talent. And that's what United are doing now. I'd agree with getting Sancho. And United should never defer from that. If there's the capability to get the best in class, and that's players, whether that's executives, directors of footballs, etc., United need to do it. Sancho, 100%, you have to get that deal done because that, that just takes us a step closer to challenging for the title. But of course, I'd love a strategy where if you can get the team to a point where you can start really focusing on the youth and as a fan like wouldn't you agree if you could see seven eight players from the united academy as part of the squad that'd be brilliant well i think it's really interesting we did quite well to get 20 minutes into the podcast before mentioning Jaden sancho probably but the one with sancho which i don't know there's a few different ways to look at it first of all there's the moral issue of sort of the current state of world football go and spend 100 million pound on a player Personally, I don't see too much of an issue with it, but I can see why it will sort of ruffle a few feathers. However, you just mentioned that in terms of Mason Greenwood. Mason Green, Man City had Mason Greenwood. He was Jaden Sancho. He didn't get any football, so he left. If we bring a Jaden Sancho in now and we have that Mason Greenwood, who have invested in this new youth sort of system, if we're talking about it in that, in that regard, well, what happens to Mason Greenwood? 
you think, could Mason Greenwood, I was just watching a YouTube highlight earlier today, I think we're forgetting how good he is um, in terms of, he's not a young player anymore in terms of what he's contributing on the pitch. He's a good standout player. Uh, look, spot on agree with you, but at the end of the day, Greenwood is 18. The other the other thing I take into account is we what's don't the, have what's a Sancho starting... Though? What's Sancho though? 19, 20? I understand. Sancho's 20, but the point is Sancho has had the time to... He's got about three years now of top flight football under his belt. And Greenwood has been rotated in and out in his first season. Now, the other thing to consider with Greenwood is he's been rotated in and out with Dan James. Now, I think if you get a starting winger, say, let's say that that is Sancho, most games Sancho is going to start. I think we can all accept that. Then you have Rashford on the left. But what that does mean is if you need to bring Rashford out, you can put James on the left. And it also means Greenwood can then still be coming in on the right or he could be coming in at center forward. Greenwood has the capability of being a number 10 as well. Just the way he plays. He can definitely play in that role. So I don't think the amount of football Greenwood plays will be really hampered too much, nor his development. I think you're just putting a starting player, instead of that being Dan James, that you can then bring Greenwood in and out of more often. Yeah, no, um, hard to disagree with that. But yeah, I was watching a video of Greenwood earlier today and just think, my God, like, and you don't want to put any pressure on the kid, but my God, he's going to be the best in the world if it clicks for him. But um, yeah. <laughs> Don't want to put any pressure, but yeah. he could be the best in the world. I like that. Yeah, no pressure at all. Um, we've done our best to talk a little bit of football. Now, obviously, our podcast, we appreciate all the support and feedback, and we will be extremely humble and sort of both admit that we are the best Man United podcast out there. However, United's podcast is quite good, and Patrice Evra, Uncle Pat, has done the latest podcast, and we've both had to listen to it. I think both of us sort of rank it up there as our favourite podcast the club's done. Absolutely. Honestly, the the thing with a good podcast, and obviously we bring this, Tom, me and you, yeah. you need you need energy, but you also need insight, especially with a big guest, you know, and we had it in, in glimpses with, um, obviously, uh, Bosnich. When you have a player who's just such an extrovert and bubbly and happy to you know not just give you the cliche answers they want to give you the full the full picture that's patrice ever he obviously wears his heart on his sleeve and um i i want to get what are your thoughts on the you know fergie wanted ronaldo and bale yeah mixed on it. i think look I'm sure, I'm sure the club want them now as well i'm sure fergie wanted it um whether that was going to be the case or not i'm not sure i'm not sure what david gill's situation was um whether he was leaving at the time when Fergie was not leaving, I'm not quite sure. Um, you said we, we discussed it earlier. I think Ronaldo definitely would have been interested. Fergie was interested. Whether it would have happened, God, how much would it have um, set us back? We'll, we'll play with, we sold him for 80. God, back then in 2013, still probably would have had to be 120, 130 million would probably to cost. Um, I'm not sure. Um, it would have been great to see. Um, I think the club would definitely have been in a different position now. Um, if Fergie stayed for one or two more years and we had a certain number seven back, um, at least the, the um, number seven curse of the, on the shirt would have been um, quickly demolished. But um, yeah, on the actual podcast, on Ever, he just has this way of talking and a lot of people say it might go over the top in terms of he knows how to say the right things, but you just always get that feel with him that um, maybe because the way he played, we sort of had sort of visible evidence of how much he cared for the club. It wasn't just words. But um, he has, in terms of when he's mentioned one or two stories, whether it be about sort of his experience beforehand or his experience on the pitch with United, he's got a way of sort of getting those goosebumps on the back of your neck. 
Yeah, the insight for me or the highlight I take out of the, the podcast, um, what he said in terms of the, the sort of racism he had to endure throughout his career um, when he was saying when he went to Sicily and um, someone, uh, a young boy was touching his skin and taking a photo with him simply because they were amazed that there was a black person around. And I had um, had uh, um, uh, Helen in, in tears and um, yeah. I was just... Like Patrice Evra is such not only was he a wonderful footballer, but like what a character to have the perseverance in his career to go through that because that would be horrible. Like, honestly, like I like sitting there, I, I had that you know, that feeling of pure sympathy. I just I had that when he, when he was talking that way, and you could tell he didn't take it like a victim, but he's someone who can be an ultimate role model, and United could do a lot worse than sign a player like that to be an ambassador on an official basis. Uh, send him around when you need to sign players. Because seriously, if Patrice ever came to my door and said, well, obviously I'm signing tomorrow. But if if you were a Liverpool play, a Liverpool fan growing up and Patrice ever comes to your door, mate, he'll convert you, no problem. You're signing up for Manchester United. Seriously, he is, uh, what a character. And I'm so proud to say that he played for our club. Yeah, no, just on that last point just there, which I've mentioned in previous podcasts in terms of we always sit here and say United are a family. The, the club feels like a family to us when in sort of all reality, they're the furthest thing from it. Like they steal from us every single day in terms of the money we put into the club. However, and we've got such as a disconnect from the players. However, we've mentioned before, when someone does something good at the club, you do get that family feel and you do get a sense of pride. We've mentioned it before, especially with the Munich tragedy and obviously Patrice Severus speaks very fondly of um, that time. But when Patrice Everett says something or does something well, some sort of does something well in the community or sort of just these performances in general when he obviously played at the club, you do feel sort of very proud. So, um, yeah, a good podcast. If anyone hasn't listened to it, make sure you go and listen to it after you listen to this one, of course. Now, Larry, is there any other news I've missed this week for the podcast? No, mate. I think you've covered it all. Um, so I think... The, the biggest news I have to say is we are struggling on pro clubs. So if there's anyone out there who plays pro clubs, hey, please. You're, you're struggling. I think the performances I'm putting in the middle of the pitch have been fantastic. Um, it's the surrounding Tom, you cast. Give the ball, you give the ball away more than Andres Pereira, my friend. That's just not true. Well, the ball needs to get forward. You're just dribbling into defenders. <laughs> need to take risks. But, um, yes, All right, if, I think and then that's a sign to end the pod. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll meet you on Pro Clubs in five minutes, okay? Sounds like a plan. Okay, again, thank you everyone for listening to the podcast. Hopefully we have a, maybe a, something to talk about next week in regards to a closer return to the Premier League and we'll obviously be watching closely on the Bundesliga. We'll probably do a Jaden Sancho watch or something. Um, we tried to escape his name from this podcast but failed. But um, hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, it was fun to chat a little bit of football. So make sure you like the podcast, share on whatever podcast app you listen to. We appreciate all the support and we will chat to you um, next week. So have a good weekend and cheers. Bye. Cheers.